You're listening to Real to Real with Coach Herb and B, a podcast that brings you community and culture with your host, Coach Herb and B. looking like a fisherman your, your, your character b, b b looks like kurt but you look like the fisherman from jaws or something bro <laughs> you like that that's <laughs> not it's not accurate with your real beard your real beard oh, looks, man hey, you know, hey y'all fly right your real beard is fly i'm talking about your, your cartoon beard my cartoon beard i tried i tried to compose it to, to get it Possible, he actually but, sent me a whole nother avatar, and I was yeah, like, "No, she, she, she I'm not doing that." Yeah. Well, because mine right. doesn't look right. Good. Hey, y'all! <laughs> hey, this is Coach Herb. Uh, welcome to our podcast, and my girl, as usual, Miss B, and hey, up, guy behind the avatar is Mr. Ben, and I have one of my closest friends and. Um, a guy that I admire, Mike Ellison, who joined us tonight to, you know, go over a few topics of life and, and all of that good stuff. So say what's up, y'all. What up, Thanks though? for joining what's us, Mike. Thanks for having what me. What up, Joe? What up, Joe? We truly Detroit. appreciate That's that Detroit. it. That's that Detroit <laughs> thing. What up? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, so let's get real, y'all. Let's get real, Mr. bro. Ben, what you got for us tonight? Thank you for the nice introduction, Coach. Um, so, uh, Mike, if you wouldn't mind just uh, taking a couple minutes to kind of uh, explain to our uh, listeners and our uh, viewers who may or may not know a whole lot about you, can you give a kind of a, a brief little rundown about your career and, and where it's kind of brought you to today? Uh, I'll give you the basics, man. You can't make me talk about myself. <laughs> but um, I was, uh, my, my, my parents uh, from South Jamaica, Queens, my mother emerged, I'd say, from the 40 Projects. My, my father, St. John's graduate, track standout, and he accepted a position overseas. So I was, I have the privilege of being born in the motherland in the beautiful country of Ethiopia. Uh, raised in Reston, Virginia. Graduated from the University of Virginia. Started my career in basically public relations and marketing and professional sports. And then, um, Detroit transformed me into what I what I call an executive artist and um, that path has allowed me to re release independent albums to do roughly a dozen films um, tours with nonprofits um, work in Ethiopia connecting with grassroots organizations in Detroit and throughout the country and um, yeah we got a good start there yeah. wow I was that Definitely kind of seems like you're a, uh, a, a more uh, nowadays renaissance man. Seems to be doing a lot of different uh, things. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll take that fancy title. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's just, uh, you know, it's the era we're in where you have to have a broad skill set, I think. Yeah. And um, if you're going to be independent. And yeah. so, you know, I never really consider myself to be in any particular industry. There's industry and there's artistry. Sometimes the industry produces incredible artistry. And sometimes there's artistry that goes under the radar that has nothing to do with the industry. And so I just found a balance of both and that works for me, you know. How is it being independent? Hard. Yeah. And rewarded. Yeah, I was gonna say, can you explain that a little better? Cause I know you know, yeah. it's, it's a different world when you're independent. Sure. I mean, like, so as an actor, I started the Detroit Repertory Theater and did a thousand commercials and training videos and all sorts of stuff you're never going to see, some theater. And then when the film industry came to Michigan, I was able to, to, to book some pretty cool roles. So that, you're still within the industry. Um, most most recently, very, very, very cool honor to play in a scene on Chicago Fire with Eamon Walker, who's a legend and a true gentleman and, and just incredible human. So that was big. But as, a, as an artist, in terms of spoken word or music, I've been independent. And what that means basically is not having a label, not having a label that's gonna help you record, market, promote, or do any of that. Um, not having a huge management team. I never really had a management team. It was just, you know, me. You know, I had 
people that I could subcontract and help. My father, before he passed in 2010, helped me with public relations. But independent means doing everything on your own. And for me, it means doing what works for you. You know, um, the big turning point for me was that my whole life I dreamt of going back to Ethiopia where I was born. My mother used to raise me like, you know, she was, she was she used to say to me, you're my Ethiopian child. You were born in Ethiopia for a reason. You're my African child. And, you know, we I romanticized about going back to Ethiopia just to see, you know, I was, I, unlike most, you know, we, we, we in America promote a very negative image of Africa. I had a very positive. In fact, Africa was oversold to me. But long story short, I connected with some doctors in Detroit that were building infrastructure, medical infrastructure in, in Ethiopia. And I went as part of a mission, brought a song with me that I recorded in my independent studio. I self-engineered and all that. And um, the song came a hit. This was before social media. It became a huge hit in the country and people knew my story and wanted to reconnect with people that I knew when I was there. It was a woman like a second mother to me that we, we didn't know if she was dead or alive. And, through that song and television, I reconnected with her. It was just a beautiful story. I mean, I so like I visited, I released the song, shot a video, left. Six months later, I come back. The entire country knew the song. It was singing the song and they called me Mickey and asking me if I found my second mom. And it was just beautiful to be in the far yeah. reaches of the country at the Nile River and kids emerged from the Nile River singing my song and screaming my name. Changed everything. You know, I cry. I, I ain't gonna lie to you, bro. I, I cried like a natural born baby. As you and, should. <laughs> That's pretty oh, cool. Oh, man. It was amazing. That's but what, a, what it did for me, B, was, and Herb knows, he knows the glory mm -hmm. and, the, and the graciousness of the motherland. But what it did for me was, it showed me I can have an impact on lives without all of these constructs that they're telling me I have to have. Well, you gotta be hot. You gotta talk about, you know, you gotta, you know, you gotta get some sex and violence in there. And then you gotta do this. And you gotta be down with these people. And you gotta kiss mm -hmm. this ass. And you gotta do this. And man, listen, I gave that song to one DJ in Addis Ababa, a DJ named DJ Fasu, and these kids in an ancient town called Lali Bella. And then I went on television and that thing just went all over the country and people oh, embraced it. Wow. Word so that let me know. Still good. Say what? I said word of mouth is still good, bro. Yeah, I mean, that was before like, social media. And I think yeah. the Ethiopian, Ethiopian culture is very mm -hmm. humble. And so we approached it that way. And I think like, you know, knowing I was born there and I still had a positive image of the country that mattered and just coming with some humility, you know, and, and you know, yeah, they, they just embraced it, man. The, it just, those it, kids it, and those people just blessed me, man. Yeah, it's, it's a funny story too, because like when I first met Mike, um, it was like, hey, you know, and then I, I, I don't know who we were talking to. I think we were talking to either, um, Kevin or, the other guy, and we have another friend named Mike, and he was like, "Yeah, he, he was he, he he's African too, man. He's from Ethiopia." And I'm like, "Nah, <laughs> I've seen Ethiopians, man. Yeah. He, he don't look Ethiopian, but I mean, he is light skin like this. There's a lot of light skin people in Ethiopia. A lot of like, yeah, uh, mm -hmm. complexion and, wise, but and a lot of dark skin folks in the yeah, southern there region, is a lot of dark skin, yeah, original Ethiopians, as they yeah. say sometimes." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, we hear those stories, too. I was like, well, you know, I, I have a lot of Ethiopian friends, but, you know, he's a little bit um, tall. He's, like, a little bit more athletic-looking and taller, you know, because Ethiopians, like, they're, like, long-distance runners. So they're, they're built a little different from, like, it, it, it goes region by region, like east, middle, central, and then you got West Africa and South Africa. So it's a lot of different, different body styles, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hmm, okay. But then, you know, then obviously Mike told me the story that he was just born there. And then I met his mom and his family and everything like that. And it was like, yeah. really cool because she was like, oh, you're from Africa? And I was like, yes, ma'am. You know, when did you all get here? To, to uh, like, hmm. Oh, me or her, or her, me? You. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
They don't um, care about my life anymore, Mike. No, nah, man, I'm let me old. tell you something. I know Herb. <laughs> but, yo, if your audience don't know, Herb is a resting legend. And Herb, Herb was, was and is, but he was African before. It was cool to be African. And Herb endured a lot of ignorance. And, like, the gracious people. I mean, I used to wonder, like, man, this brother, he don't let anybody bother him. But then when you go to the continent and you see how people, like what my friend Aku says, a lot of Africans have mm-hmm. gracious manners. And I always admired that about Herb. He, and he still has it. You know, my mom said, I, I saw Herb the other day. He gave me a big smile and da 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 But um, we came, I was like, I don't know, like somewhere like three or something. I didn't remember anything about Ethiopia. But, well, I think in, instinctually, in, in, instinctively I did. And on a spiritual level, because like there's a saying in, in Ethiopia is um, tipti yeti kabetabut, which means like my umbilical cord is buried in the soil. So I will always return there. And as soon as I got back there, it's just something like the smell of the spices and the food and the wood burning in certain places. And then like the music, it just, it just spoke to me immediately. Like, yeah. yup, this is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool. So, Mike, how would you uh, how would you say that your um, the time that you've gone back to um, do work in Ethiopia to visit? How has that kind of shaped you know the work that you do today and the things that you do uh, as an independent worker, artistry, uh, and your uh, your activism work as well? It changed everything um, because I had a lot. Of, I still had a lot of Western ignorance to unlearn. Um, it inspired me. It birthed what I call Afro flow, reminding people the roots of hip hop and humanity. Um, yeah, it just it just made me see that you could do impactful work if you uh, if you had the right intention and you support the right cause and support the right people. A lot of times, you know, we want to create something new, some new organization or this or that, but there's plenty of people doing the work that you could support. Um, my hero in Ethiopia is a woman named Sister Tabeba Mako, and she's a nurse by trade and then be- started this organization where she cares for orphans, but families with dignity, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. like, if, like if a child loses their family, she'll pair them with the closest living relative and then lend support to that family, educate them, empower them. She's teaching young girls how to do jobs that were typically just for men. Um, she showed me what leadership and, ten- and tenacity and selflessness is. And to be very honest with you, uh, most of us aren't built with what she has. But what I realize is I could use my platform to support the works of people like her. And that's right. where it really influenced my work. Or I'm not even really comfortable when I say, when people call me an activist, because I look at the activists that lay their life on the line. You know what I mean? and sometimes yeah. pay the ultimate price. And I think we are like social media activists these days. Um, not to say that, you know, myself and my team and people I've worked with, we put blood, sweat and tears in, in whatever we've done, but I'm just not altogether comfortable calling myself an activist because the people that I revere um, put themselves in harm's way, like, like Representative John Lewis, you know, arrested mm-hmm. 45 times, beat upside the head, you know? Yeah. Did you watch that funeral? No. You know, but the whole, you know, everything that's happening over the course of. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't. And part of the reason I didn't is just like, I think as an artist, well, I don't want to restrict this to artists, but I'm a bit of an empath, you know, and there's a lot going on. And at some point, Mm -hmm. what I realized, we have to, we have to protect our psyche and our spirit. You know, um, these phones are amazing tools, but we also don't know the the long-term effect they're having on us. You know, like, um, now my scientists out there may correct me, but my understanding is that like, if if your sight is not impaired and you're looking at whatever, I'm looking at you, I'm looking at the room Mm -hmm. I'm in, my eye actually sees a lot more, but my brain reduces that information to a, to a bandwidth that I can actually perceive. You follow what I'm saying? Okay. So, what you say, her? Yeah, yeah, I said, okay. 
so what I'm saying is, I don't know that we've evolved to where we're used to taking in 5,000 images a day, but we just look at this, 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 look at this. And you know, how your mind processes it. Everybody I know, like their sense of time, even before COVID is just off. You know, something that happens last month feels like two years ago. Something two years ago feels like <laughs> last does. week. Right. And right. so my point is just, Herb, you know, and B, you know, like as black folks, what we endure, mm-hmm. even if you in, even if you ain't in the so-called hood, you know how many times you get checked, pulled over, heart beating yeah. through your chest, and mm-hmm. then, then the self-hatred that you get from your own people. Um, so my point is just constantly, I told my friends, man, stop, stop sending me the latest, you know, person getting beat up, shot. I can't, you know what I mean? Just can't keep taking that in. We know what the issues are. We all doing our part. I'm doing my little part, trying to support the people who are doing their major part. So as it relates to Representative Lewis, I'll watch all of that as a different time. But mm-hmm. I'm celebrating the fact that finally a black man who was, who was bold and unashamed and spoke direct actually got to live out his life without being right. killed prematurely. Right. You see what I'm saying? So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then maybe I'll, I'll, I've seen pictures, but maybe I'll watch them, the footage when they crossed that, the Pettus Bridge when they changed the name, you know? That's what I watched. I only watched one portion of the whole thing that I thought was probably like the most important, which was him crossing over that bridge right. in his casket back over that bridge again. You know, that's his last time. And then his, you know, him going through that whole bloody Sunday was kind of like, that's crazy, right? So I don't know. Yeah. My favorite was moment very was emotional. him. It was. I, that's why I couldn't, you know, I couldn't do it yet. But my favorite moment was him crossing that bridge with, with the president and all those other yeah. leaders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And there was some women, right? Like a lot of times the women get lost in the sauce. We talk about civil, civil rights. Mm-hmm. In fact, this is a tangent, but the woman that Martin Luther King himself called the mother of the movement was a woman named Septima Clark. Mm-hmm. And a lot of a lot of people refer to Mary McLeod Bethune as um, the mother of the struggle. And you got uh, Dorothy Height, you know Shirley Chisholm ran for president, called hell. Like there's a long line of women warriors on that front line. You know what I mean? That because of, while we fight, this, they, need. they don't get it. They don't get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like. Uh, yeah. I, I feel like. I feel like. Um, in this world, like we just have, uh, um, what is it, um, micro tunnel vision? Like, a, yeah, just enclosed minds that just don't open up to seeing what other people are doing. Like, you know, they'll they'll just pick a name. Unfortunately, it's like white people will say, "Oh, so so and so did all this." Like all of these, like so-called men that did this but realistically side by side should be a woman saying they should be saying her name as well as his name you know like that's right they wouldn't say martin luther king they should be saying you know his wife as well but you know it's just one of those things where society has set it up like that even even to this day you know like a lot of the the politics like they like oh how how can we ever have a woman president like that's just mm-hmm. crazy to me where everywhere else in this world there's women presidents or women prime ministers everywhere that's it's right women in power yeah women in power like it's, what it's not if you look but at that here, model, they're, not, they're not doing it they're not like doing it, anything bad in their country you know but we're still like it feels like we're still back in the dark ages a little bit sometimes. Well, we are. Yeah. We're hypocritic. We're hypocrites. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We're a very hypocritical nation. And you know me, Herb. We've been talking. These issues been on my mind since elementary school. So <laughs> right. when right. we were in high school, we everybody wanted to hoop. Like, man, nobody want to hear that, man. Just check the ball up. <laughs> Shut up and dribble. Yeah. Shut up and dribble. It'd be funny because we'd be playing and then Mike just starts fouling off and then somebody in the background would be like, Come on, man, 
We're trying to play five on five right now. Come on, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Mike be like, but I see, wanna be out here this real quick. <laughs> And that'd be in between games, not during yeah, the Yeah, in between but... games, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, let me get yeah, that yeah. water first. We we had an event the other day at um at a theater in Percival called You're So Articulate. It's part of a series dealing with these issues. And Daryl Branch came out, uh, which I appreciated. Mm-hmm. And he he said, Man, you know, he was bringing up all the stuff that he knew. Like there was one year with with on the South Lakes team we had the option of wearing some new Reeboks. And, and at the time, Reebok had not divested from South Africa. And so to try to dismantle apartheid, a lot of the you know black folks were leading the boycott. And I was like, I ain't wearing Reebok. <laughs> and Dar- you know mm-hmm. that remind me of? The Fed Five with their whole like yeah. thing and like the whole, like the whole everything. And I a little would what I know that it was like at South Lakes too. Jay wrote like uh he uh a friend of mine in Detroit does some incredible work with youth that attend Jalen Rose's Academy. And mm-hmm. we had a fundraiser last year that Jay Jay Rose attended himself. And he's a real one. You know what I mean? Like yeah, he's about that yeah. life and he's Detroit mm-hmm. doing through, but he's he's doing what he, he's doing his part and then some. Yeah. Yeah. But like it's a, a long road. People. Yeah, a lot more people need to do that. And, you know, I was watching this show and um, Raymond Green, who's from Michigan as well, and he was talking about how he, you know, a lot of athletes, sometimes they just go through and they do camps and, you know, sometimes they'll do a free camp or whatever. And, and he's saying to himself, he's thinking like, you know, it's, it's actually time to actually teach our youth more so than just, you know, just see, give them a basketball and do some drills and be like, sign some autographs. But you really need to just say, we need see, to sit down and learn. You touching on why, number one, to me, like Kareem doesn't get talked enough about as the greats, but like, yep. but like, this is why if, if you're a black man or woman and you don't love LeBron James, something wrong with you. Because right. I know from, from working in sports, <laughs> LeBron has shifted the whole game. Let me tell you right. why. Okay. And not just by himself, but like, God bless the late Stuart Scott, my frat brother. But like, mm-hmm. you can't have a sports show now without black voices. And you got to have people who actually play the game. Because there right. used to be a bunch of pencil neck mm-hmm. journalists who never made like, you know what I'm saying? intramural anything. Yeah. Right. And they sitting around because they had journalism degree. So oh, now yeah. just to have a legit sports show, you got to have a Jay Rose. You got to have Perkins. You got to have mm-hmm. Scotty. You got to have that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There were a handful of black agents trying to shake things up, but black players felt in order to get paid, they had to go with white agents. Yeah. Then what happens when an athlete comes to a town, if he's a major athlete, football or basketball, otherwise, everybody around them, the team just mm-hmm. comes at them with white folks. And their goal is to separate that athlete from their friends and family. Friends and family. I know this whole story well. I mean, I, I, when I was in Detroit, I worked with a number of athletes, including Joe Dumas. I'm not saying that happened with him, but I saw other athletes right. um, mm-hmm. all over the place. And they, they come at you like, okay, this is, who, this is who you should buy your house from. You know what I mean? Or you yep. should go get a membership at this golf place. Or you should go here to eat. Mm. And you should, this person can help you with it. And it's all these folks around you. And then people around the team that also make money off you on the sly, off your memorabilia, off bringing people to come visit, shake mm-hmm. your hand. And yep. they got the cash. I mean, it's just tons of ways. And LeBron and Rich Paul are killing all of that. And on top of that, what they also do is anybody with some consciousness, they run out the league like they did Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, like they did Craig Hodges. Mm-hmm. And that's also why I think because Kareem had consciousness, they kept him away from certain players that could right. influence the thinking. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? So yeah. I'm not faulting the players. You know the circumstances they come out of, right? right? But here's LeBron James. Yeah. He literally comes from a place they call the bottom. No real father, as far as I know, never played right. for some legendary basketball mind. He didn't come up under, you know, a Dean Smith, a John Thompson, anything yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And yet he's a basketball savant, 
does it all right on the court and then off the court yeah. has stood in step for everyone, but especially his people. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. and now that is catching on and your, your Draymond's and other people are saying, okay, we could do a camp, but man, you know what I'm saying? Like these kids, like her, look, B, let me tell you, in a lot of cities all over America, and they're just black, white, Latino, you name it. The number one issue for youth is food. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They hungry. They're going to school hungry. People don't hungry. understand that. Mm -hmm. We call another nation's third world, which is a demeaning term in and of itself. I call them redeveloping nations because Africa was the cornerstone of all of this. But anyway, you know, it's food insecurity. They're hungry. Right. And all this is coming to coming to a head right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I see I got one of them tangents, B. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh no. The whoa, whoa. I'm trying to hold myself back because I know that back. I have a lot of feelings. <laughs> a lot of stuff. Don't hold back, back, sister. Like, so, so you like, know, we uh you know like like I said before, we grew up together, so it was like um Mike Mike uh was a good good guy, just we were all basically all pals. We went to each other's houses, hung out. Uh, Mike played on the basketball team, the legendary 1989 basketball team, state semifinals. Uh, I was going to ask they that. They should have won Did it all, play? but you yeah. know, mm -hmm. they just ran into a little bit of a team that was uh, full of some tougher, let's just say tougher guys. Um, Hampton, mm -hmm. Hampton High School, right, Mike? Was that was that the semifinal game? Yeah, I know man. It's, it's bringing back bad memories. I know. <laughs> you don't know my opinion about, about that. It. It's, 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 look, look, man. You know, it's, it's 2020, man. We can, you can bring it back just a little bit. You know. Hey, man. That that was a that was a hell of a run y'all went on, man. You know. It was a it was a it was a nice run, but man, yeah. we need to get to the final game, bro. Like. I know. Hey. That's that was painful. I got my feelings about it. You won districts, you won regionals, you should have won states. But you know, that's another that's at another least time. you made it that far. Yeah. Yep. Now I mean, you know what? I have nothing but fond memories playing basketball. Team sports have influenced me my whole life. Team victories are more fun to celebrate. You know, that I think both of y'all know the African proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone. You want to go far, go mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you can't roll with everybody because what you see and what you understand and what they see are two different things. And, and if you become aware of certain things around you, like racism, and it's blatant, and you're the only one talking about it, it becomes a very lonely position that you find yourself in. Uh, I feel you, man. I felt it. I felt it from day one, so... Like I, like I said, I dealt with, um, I would say prejudice and racism all in, all lumped into like the same thing when I was growing up because- You I got extreme self-hatred yeah. come aimed, yeah. people with extreme self-hatred aimed at you, bro. You got yeah. it. I mean, Herb, that's how I told you. You got my maximum respect. You can call me anytime, anything I could do to support what you doing, bro. Right, right, brother. <laughs> so yeah, so it's, um, it's it's good. It's good to have you um, give us a little bit more perspective on on life, man. Because you know, I've I've dealt with different things, and you've dealt with different things. And and like as far as like, would you think that your future um, is looking like as far as all the other stuff that you're doing, all the projects you're doing, and stuff like that? Um, man, you know what. Uh, a guy I like listening to this uh, mystic yogi and author named Sadhguru. But he, tell, he said, I don't know it. Three of the most powerful words because they open the door to learning. And to be honest with you, brother, I don't know. <laughs> because I couldn't have predicted, <laughs> I couldn't have predicted some of the things I've experienced. I mean, what I can right. tell you that I, that I can control, I'm going to continue doing a lot of voice work, which I do. Um, I'm going to be continuing with this series. You're so articulate here in Virginia. So I'm back and yeah. forth between Virginia and Detroit. But most of the time when I was in Virginia, it was just about laying low and seeing family. Now, especially because of the times, I want to be involved and, and reconnect and contribute somehow. Mm -hmm. um, in short, I would just say, 
I've been very blessed to match my passion with meaningful causes that are bigger than me. Um, you know, if you can connect with something that's bigger than yourself, then it, it makes it easier to um, rope in your ego. You know what I mean? Right. But if you get start getting caught up in all this other stuff, then it could take you astray. So right now in the times that we're in and then there's people close to me I've lost in Detroit and overseas, I'm just grateful for life itself. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? I'm just striving to be better every day, listen more, love more, be a little more open-minded, um, unlearn the, the ignorance and blind spots that I still have. Right. I know that sounds esoteric, but that's really how I look at it right now. Yeah, same here, bro. I'm I'm still I'm still a work in progress, even at my old age. <laughs> <laughs> still oh, learning, man. man. Still learning, <laughs> learning how to deal with. You definitely. I want your audience to know you definitely older than me. <laughs> Significantly. Yeah. yeah. Trust, trust. Hence, hence, you know, the avatar that the has the old gray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. grayness the, of the beard. It comes with wisdom. It comes with wisdom and knowledge. Hopefully, <laughs> now, see, look, growing. The, your real beard is fly. You look like a griot. But your cartoon beard got you looking like a raggedy fisherman, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, that was my artwork choice. But, you know, I... I hey, man, man you, chose, you chose your cowboy shirt and your cowboy's hat. Yeah. And I said, I don't know about that. Yay. Hey, how about that? They about to change the Redskins name. How about that? Yeah. How oh, the yeah. Washington football team right now. How about that? I never rooted for them except one time. And you know, that's when Doug Williams was quarterback. Yep. Yep. Just that right shows you. But look, that, that shows you. What you say, B? I said that's all they needed. Because obviously. Look, think about this. I mean, we were little kids, but yeah. when Doug Williams won, the men in my family and other black men I know, they celebrated like we won the presidency. Yeah. Ran That's out how ignorant our country still was. We didn't think, America didn't think a black man could be quarterback. Think mm -hmm. about that. <laughs> that was in yeah. the 80s, bro. And that's not, that's not that long ago. Yeah, what that ain't that long ago. That? That, that wasn't that long ago. What was that, like 87, 88? Yeah. 87, uh, yeah, 87, mm -hmm. 88. Not that long ago. I know, man. It's crazy. They were, they were out in the streets screaming. I was, it was crazy. Like, I, I wasn't even a skin fan, and I was happy. I was like, <laughs> you was out in the street right with them. I was like, yeah. why am I so happy for them? And yeah. I was like, oh. I mean, because we succeeded. Yeah. I mean, you know, we did what we've always done, and that's that's correct. Yeah, exactly. Immeasurable odds, and yeah. we don't even need a level playing field. You could just right. put us on the field, and the field could be like that, and we still going to exist because that's who we are. Yeah, still win. Yeah, mm -hmm. correct. Right. I feel um, so inspired after all. <laughs> yeah, Bianca, I used to get in trouble in high school for talking like this. Really? Uh, no. Oh yeah, I was um. Well, you know, her, it's funny me, because like. You, he, it, it was in high school, like going up, but your senior year, you also were chosen by your classmates to speak at graduation. Yes, sir. So, mm. I, and I was there, so, you know, I, that brought me to tears because I was like, yeah. yo, my man is up there. And I was like, wow. You what, know? you want to know the story behind that, Herb? I'm going to tell you I the truth. I would like to. Mm -hmm. So, so number one, prior, leading up to that, myself, Mike Taylor, Carl Lowe, Jimmy Walk, and then another, uh, we didn't know her, but she ended up coming on our ticket. Well, she, she was, a, she won, but her name was Aisha Kwaja. But four of us ran for four, other, four out of the five seats were black boys. And we won, all of us. And I was the president. And... It started rocky because they wanted me to say the Pledge of Allegiance before every meeting, and I refused. And I refused on the grounds that I didn't feel that the country had pledged allegiance to us, and also right. that like there were racist organizations like the Klan and stuff that used the Pledge of Allegiance in a perverted way. And they even wrote about that in the newspaper at South Florida. 
And then what happened was when you're graduating, what they've always done is they just take a general vote open to see who they want to hear from and then they whittle it down. So there was a committee of students. I'm not going to get into names, but they excluded me and all of my class and all of my fellow running mates, Carl, Mike, they, they created their own ballot, limited it to the names and said, well, we just figured since you guys were government leaders, the students might want to hear from other people. And it was Miss Cascio, the beautiful Miss Cascio, who everybody had a crush on back in high school. (laughs) (laughs) She was Mrs. Bresnick back then. And then then Chuck Cascio scooped her up. And then then everybody was mad at him, like, ah! (laughs) In my my Dave Chappelle voice, ah! No, but, uh, and she said, something's not right about that. And she brought it up and made them do it over. But then I got accused of being mad because I wasn't chosen. And it was this whole big thing. And oh, then, wow. yeah, and they, and they did not want me to be on the ballot because they thought I would speak about racism. Mm-hmm. And I had all these mm-hmm. students, like once they students did choose me to speak and all these students were like, they didn't even, they couldn't even say racism. They were like, are you gonna talk about racialism? And I'm like, well, I don't know what that is, but (laughs) I don't mean to make a neck, but all that happened for me to be able to speak. And I opened the speech by saying, some of you didn't even want me to speak today because you thought I would talk about racism as if we enjoy the topic, you know? Those of us who do, Mm -hmm. this is why we do, but we're gonna move on from that today. And and that was the whole thing. And this is at a progressive school, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. I remember that man. That's high school, but that's what we were dealing with. So, um, Mike, if uh, if you wouldn't mind, would you be able to maybe help uh, any listeners uh, or young people out there who you know listening to your story today and hearing the you know very expansive life that you've lived with your travels to your connections that you kind of had the career path that you've taken. Um, you know, some give them some words of advice, whether that be you know, maybe classes or degrees they should kind of aim for at college to try and help them uh, keep their options very wide open, internships, mentors that they could kind of to find to help them live, uh, you know, their their fullest life as it seems like you have? Uh, The short answer, yeah, all that you said. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, you know, I'd be lying to your audience if I told them I had a master plan, you know, I was headed in one direction and then I got inspired to go in another. Um, But once I went in that direction, I went full throttle. I can tell you for me, what worked for me won't work for your audience. You know, it's like, it's my path. Um, But in in short, it's just really, you gotta believe in yourself. You know, you willing to bet against, bet on yourself. And I was willing to bet on myself and I think when that happens, God, the universe kind of supports you. And, you know, you got to get lucky. You, you, you got to have the support of other people. There was a, a sister who, she was a quadriplegic and she and her mother, God rest both their souls. I lost Sonia a couple years ago and her mother just passed a couple weeks ago. So we are still dealing with that. But these two women actually when I had left sports and I was starting all over and I was trying to consult and be an artist and I was on my last dime plenty of times, these two women invested in me as angel investors and helped me finance my first album and refused to let me pay them back and just said, go out there and keep doing good work. If it wasn't for those women, I don't know that I would have a career. So, I mean, I just think if I'm talking to young cats, you have this tool now, you know, you have these phones and computers, the rules to every game have completely changed. Change. You got to be tenacious. You have to believe in yourself. You got to have a lot more patience than what people have want to have nowadays. Because if mm-hmm. you get it fast, you're going to lose it fast. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I would just say staying grounded. Like I said, I've been fortunate to be a part of things that are bigger than me. I'm not, you know, the smoke and mirrors of the entertainment industry fools a lot of people. 99 out of 100 of the people you see flossing are not rich. They're not rich, and they're not rich and happy. And there are some success stories, but 
there's a downside to some of that. I'm not knocking anybody else's career. What works for me is to be able to, you know, the opportunity to work with some talented people, excuse me, something on my screen here, um, to be part of a team, to do my best work. Thank God for every opportunity I get. Get lucky sometimes. I mean, some of the most incredible experiences I had, I couldn't have orchestrated myself. What happened in Ethiopia, I couldn't have orchestrated that if I tried. As a result of that, down the line, I got to, I was invited to play in a Pan-African dance festival right under Lauren Hill. It was right before Lauren Hill. I played mm -hmm. Kigali Rwanda with Lauren Hill. Wow. I couldn't have orchestrated that, you know? That's awesome. And for the record, she was incredible and gracious. And we rocked the house that night too. The country invited me to stay an extra week. I, I got a tour of the genocide memorial. Um, a year later, recorded a song with a Rwandan artist called Turi Kumye, which became the number one song in that country. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't orchestrate that. So, uh, Ben, I don't mean to dance around your, your question. I just think that whatever it is you say you're going to do, you got to commit to it. It's not going to happen overnight. You're going to take some lumps, no way around it. And you got to take them and, 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 and keep swinging. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I think you answered that perfectly. There's no, you know, one path fits all for everybody. Mm -hmm. I think the best part of your message is just the perseverance, is the will to, to you know, give it your all. I think that's a great answer. Look, there's a, there's a, I'll read it to you. There's a, there's a poem. And oh man, it was one of the, uh, sorry, it's going to escape me, the author. You can look it up. It's called Press On. But one of the acting instructors I had in Detroit, a man named Harold Hogan, when I was, you know, when I was in the depth of a very deep and dark depression and um, I was going to open mic night in Detroit Repertory Theater and that was like my medicine. And I don't know, I might have, I felt very close to the end of my rope and he, he just happened to give us this poem that I kept in my acting book for years and now I keep it there, I copy it, I send it to people, but it's really simple and it says, you know, press on. Nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men, or we could say men or people with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education alone will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. <laughs> persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. That's it. Yes, sir. And on that note, see what you got for our <laughs> small business. Woo! Okay, but um, hold on. I know. Mike. Get with us. <laughs> I know yeah. Mike got deep on you, and now you you. He you, did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just but said, that's "Okay, my man, small though. that's my man." <laughs> you know. Yes, I, but I did want to before I go into the small business. I do want to know if you would praise yourself in your award that you won. I don't know if you want to mention that or anything about if that. If I would praise I myself, that... <laughs> praise but I ain't never gonna praise myself. <laughs> Not praise yourself, but, you know, I would say you this. your team, everybody you collabed with. Your team, your uh, your people, whoever supported you. Yes, you know what I mean? I like I should have brought it with me, man. So I, we gotta like do a follow-up in a few weeks just so I could put an Emmy next to South Lakes. Um, you got picture of everything, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, no, I just um, like I said, Detroit became my creative base, my home. I feel like I was transformed in Detroit. I owe Detroit a lot, and so blessed to work with a lot of talented people and some um, some friends of mine, uh, Bill Bowen and Lashawn D. Gary, and I worked on a project with the Detroit Academy of Arts and Sciences Choir, promoting Detroit culture and tourism work with an incredible choir and choir director Angela Key and um, on a remake of One Nation Under Groove by George Clinton Parliament Funkadelic and um, it went viral before COVID did and um, it earned us an Emmy so we won, a, we won an Emmy about a month ago that we're very very proud of because of the quality of the project the people involved and the message that, uh, that's, that was in the song 
I mean, I, that was just a cool speech that you gave after you carried that thing and giving them the <laughs> shout out. And um, if anybody knows, just go on, go on there. I think you can actually YouTube it, uh, and, and it'll pop up. Yeah, if you put up One Nation, it'll come up. Yeah, what you yeah. what you talking about her? We wanted to shout out Angela Key because yeah, she's a choir director, and like a lot of teachers, like she works a full time job. She's also the, as you know the issues we're dealing with as black folks it's an intentional system that kind of removes men from the picture and so a lot of black women have to stand in the gap the way Angela Key does as a mother grandmother auntie community person then she teaches full-time and then she manages she she directs this incredible choir does an incredible job with them and like a lot of teachers and like a lot of black women does not get her just due so we were really proud to say no like this project couldn't happen without you if we get an Emmy you get an Emmy and she did mm -hmm. and that was fantastic it was a win for sisters it was a win for teachers it was a win for everybody not just black that believed that music and the arts should be in the schools so all the time yeah yeah man yeah, yeah we need that okay well now I can go into the big small business <laughs> So Thank you for that, business, B. Yeah, of course, right? You know, yeah. I'm always just trying to uh, everyone and let people know like what people are doing out there, right? And so, okay. you know, as another person to another person, I am so proud of you for winning that Emmy. That's a lot, yeah, you know. Yeah, it was cool. Thank that's, you. That's well, actually, I ran to work and was like, yo, yo, look, look, my, my man won an Emmy. My man won an Emmy. Like well, and he did. did. And he did. Yeah. That's dope. That's dope. But see, you know what, Herb? That's what a, basketball, team sport, right? Right, right. Like, we don't win an Emmy if that if it's not those kids with that yeah. choir director, with that composer yeah. being LaShawn, with that director being Bill, with you know, whatever I brought to it, all the dope musicians. We had Larry Fratangelo who played on the original One Nation. Another brother, Amp Fiddler, who played with Parliament Funkadelic for years. Mm -hmm. Incredible drummers, Rain Man, Chi Amin Ra, like Ife Bez. It, it's so it's a team, and when the team right. wins, you celebrate more. You, you know? celebrate. Yeah. 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 Well, there we go. So I'm going to take this time to talk about Greater Rest and Living, which is our small business of this evening. We will be doing episodes with them a series more so very short series about real estate and so kathy and graham tracy are the owners of greater rest and living and they are located in america i mean plaza america and that is in reston virginia and they sell homes in northern virginia of course but can direct you to anywhere else under keller williams and so i just wanted to take time to highlight them so you'll see information coming out about their episodes and do we'll help promote her too and you'll see her information right across here as well so greater rest greater rest right. in living and okay. also when yeah. you want you know food is good and places as well so they are oh yeah people um so man mike i appreciate oh they go everywhere yeah and Ben, you know, as usual, you you look good, man. Oh, thanks. <laughs> in, in the background. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right, y'all. When then, we get that, when we get know, Ben the Avatar on the side. Yeah, we're gonna get him on there, man. I guess I gotta, you know, you know, fix my. We might have to fix your beard because you know, <laughs> Mike is saying that the real the real me doesn't look like this. Fake me, I guess. The real better looks, the real you looks even better, huh? But Thank you know, we you always got it. We always got snap on each other a little bit. Right, you know? right, right. That's, that's yeah, no, man, but hey, you look, you look young, healthy, and happy, man. And that, Thank and you, brother. Me, you too, man. Yes, yeah, sir. Yes, sir. We overdue for a drink, man. We get yes, some alchemists or something. Yeah. Yeah, we are. I mean, we're overdue for everything. Like, we, we need to get together. Like, the last time we actually got together was probably about, what, eight years ago when we came home? Well, it might have been. See, like, that's uh, the, 
that's the trick of social media makes you feel like you've seen and talked to people but yeah. then i'm realizing mm -hmm. i've not been in your presence in a minute yeah i mean the last time i saw you physically was at a basketball game my son's basketball game which was over a year ago oh yeah that's right that's yeah. right yep yeah. that's right that's right yeah. i saw young herb <laughs> <laughs> and your son got yeah, more game done, than man. you. Nah. Yes, he does. Yes, he, does. He, he, he won a lot more than I did. I only played one sport. He played He played several. He played football, basketball, lacrosse. Nah, that's that's dope. That's, the, yeah. that's the plan, right? For the next yep. season to, to be better mm -hmm. in every aspect if possible. Every aspect. Mm -hmm. Keep it going. All right, brother. Well, appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. Let yeah. you go. You know, I know you're a busy man, and um, maybe we'll have to link up and you know do another episode with you if you. If you Anytime, uh, man. Please allow us to. Contact yeah, I do a follow-up for sure. Yep. Okay. Well, I'd love to. Any anytime, you know, anytime. Her, yeah. anytime. Be right, so nice meeting you, Ben. Nice meeting you. No, it was so nice meeting you. Thank nice you. Love what y'all doing. Any, how, however, I can support what you're doing. Please let me know. All right, brother. Appreciate it, Mike. All right, man. Thanks, appreciate Mike. it. All right, y'all. Right, that's a, that's that's a wrap. And we'll see you when we see you. Have All right, one night. love. One love. The Real to Real podcast is presented by Herbert Williams Beffo and Bianca Miskaitis. Our producer is Ben Runyon. Our technical director is Nick Patry. Audio and video lead is Megan Kotner. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow and like us on Facebook and Instagram at Real to Real and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or anywhere else podcasts are found. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. It's been real with Coach Herb and Bee.